Welcome to the Stories for Nerds podcast. And now, with another epic episode, here are your hosts for SFN. Well, what's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 8.4 of the Stories for Nerds podcast, a show featuring a group of sci-fi and fantasy authors who not only love to discuss the latest adventures in books, TV, film, video games, anime, and all other forms of nerd entertainment, but they also read and collaborate stories as well. And once again, I had the pleasure of being here with Abby Goldsmith. Hello. Hello. And Scott Parkin. Hello. Hello. So, folks, for the long-time listeners, you will know that this is going to be our next Story by Nerd Simmons. If this is your first time, welcome. And what we do in our Story by Nerd Simmons is pretty much a round-robin where each author does a segment of a short story. Uh, One does the beginning, the other one does the middle, and the other one does the conclusion. Last time we talked, we said that Abby was going to be at the helm, but um, we've had to make some slight adjustments to that, and I'm sure Abby will be more than happy to explain that said adjustment, because we always like to do updates on the authors uh, and what they've been up to on the personal front of their writing stuff, and uh, Abby, you've been quite the achiever the past couple of days oh, did something happen abby did something happen abby i mean why on earth could you not write this segment of the story by nerds well guys i'm just another 30 year overnight success <laughs> Yay. Yay. as a shocking number of them are right right <laughs> no overnight success after 35 years of work <laughs> details details <laughs> yeah 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 I've, I've got a contract i've got a lot of edits to do in a short time i want to get my book in finalized um for an audiobook narrator and for preparations for print and ebook editions i have a publisher now so and yeah, that is for publisher. how many books a publisher and yes. who is the publisher podium Yes. Podium Publishing. They they kind of started out with Andy Where's the Martian. Mm-hmm. Um and they have expanded into a lot of like kind of a lot of indie authors, many of whom kind of got big in the lit RPG space and progression fantasy space. So I write honestly, I would call it progression fantasy, even though it is kind of sci-fi. So yep. <laughs> Well, congratulations, congratulations. That is some mm-hmm. awesome news. And, and she, she, she's, and she shared it with us first before we even voted for it. I was like, oh! <laughs> but it's not for one book. Not for yeah, 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 and books, that's the other thing. Not oh. even for three books. Yes. They asked for the whole shebang. Yeah, which means they are on board with selling a series, which I'm very happy about because... I think series are where it's at, you know, and so far AI can't compete with series. No, can they? They can, they can certainly spew out some short stories, but good luck writing a million word series, AI bots. (laughs) (laughs) Having done some looking into chat GPT this week, I, um, 
have opinions. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we all have opinions about that. But anyway, um, yeah, just bringing it back to the human side of things. Uh, Yeah, series are awesome. I love series. If you don't love series, then come on if you watch anime and you re- you watch tv and stuff like they do series i mean no absolutely and i was yeah. about to say i think given the demographic that we and given the topics that we kind of cater to i would imagine that this is a very series focused like group of listeners that we have on here so yeah well and I mean, those time- are fun and everything but come on give me the meat Exactly. <laughs> and every time you pitch a book, even if it's a standalone, it's always a standalone with series potential. With series potential. Yeah. Unless it's actually a series, then you'd say, however, it is also a series that could be ended after any book. In well, the honestly, if, if we want to get into heavy, this, this is going to get me on, onto a heavy topic now, but we shouldn't probably do that, but you can, you can edit this out. But... Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, but I mean, yeah, like I think that traditional publishing is making a mistake by focusing so strongly on series or standalone with series potential because like there's many different types of series. And if you're going to do the casual, like, oh, you know, it could go either way kind of series book, then you get a certain type and you're, you're only getting a, a certain type of series. Like you're not getting like the big arc big picture thing like lord of the rings Mm -hmm. or something like that you know or wheel of time like you're not getting big picture you're getting like oh it's a cute little book that could be expanded a bit and then anyway so you're just getting a certain type of thing and that's why i think indie authors are killing it with series well and it's a problem that we've seen in hollywood right where they where they only write one season at a time because they never know if they're going to get renewed Mm -hmm. so they always try to fudge it but when you know you've got, you know, three books or five books or nine books in a right short arc, mid arc, and long arc construction, you write it differently. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You tell it differently. You Absolutely. realize the details differently. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And there's so much of a an investment with time, with world building, and all that. Like if, if you care yeah. about your series, and it's not going to be just one book, you're going to you're going to put a lot more time into the world. Whereas if you think, oh, well, they might just reject it. And I only go, I only go with the big five and I know that they just reject things right and left. So I'm not going to put much investment or time into, into my world because, eh, well, yeah. And the nice thing in your case, right, is that, what is it, a six book series? Yeah. Where you've released, at least in some form, all six books to certain audience. And thus you have a full and complete long arc story Mm -hmm. if i were a a traditional print publisher i would look at that and say okay you know i have a guaranteed you know audience retention for six titles um that's what i think podium is doing exactly that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say kudos to podium for apparently following or having that mentality where they realize it's like, wait a minute. I mean, this is already, this is already a win-win. The, the, the numbers well, don't fly. There's by book three, they can decide whether they want to get you for a second series, which if you have written great, if you haven't written, start now and get ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It works. Yeah. And I'll just like, again, I, I want to just say Royal road has been awesome for me. Um, it's not going to be for everyone. They are sure. very lit RPG focused and very progression fantasy focused. Right. Um, 
but you know the big authors on that site they they kind of it's like they go through these cycles where they they build a huge amount of backlog they post really rapidly to get noticed and then they release regularly they have an audience and then they do it again they like they'll go on a hiatus and they'll they'll kind of build more backlog so and a lot of them are earning a pretty good living from their patreons and for that that sort of thing Mm. so it's like they really they know what they're doing um yeah and they're able to launch on Amazon with big audiences and stuff, which not every indie author can do. Right, and this is a legitimate publisher too. I mean, you're not you're not getting some guy in his in his basement uh, who who you know puts out books because he can. Yeah, you're getting Polio. a legitimate publisher. Everyone knows with Polio. resources and and commitment. So, yeah, yeah, yep. So good on you, good on you. Yeah, thanks. Let us know how how that whole how that whole process turns out. But I'm sure it's going to be great. <laughs> and and Scott, you you had uh, how you you had you had your big uh, you had your big your big conference last week. Oh, yes, like. Life, the Universe, and Everything Forty One, the forty second annual Science Fiction Fantasy Symposium held in uh, Provo, Utah. Um, yeah, it was great. We had uh, Nina Kariki Hoffman's or uh, author, uh, guest of honor, uh, Phil Folio, uh, you know, a 40 year comic artist, a uh, guy who's been in the industry for forever. Wow. Um, Jess Smart Smiley, uh, a younger, more recent comic artist. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Very cool. Very that is cool. awesome. Uh, do you know what the, uh, what the attendance was? I don't know. I need to talk to my wife. She's one of the core organizers. Um, one of the trustees in the organization. So, uh, I know we were doing okay. We had a, a perfectly reasonable, I think our attendance was slightly up this year. Of course, like okay. everyone, we had a uh, bit of a challenge with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, did one entirely online and held through just fine. Uh, this is our second year back from that, and right. I think we're back to, to full function now. Okay. So, looking good. Yeah. Awesome. If only we didn't have to shit. Well, never mind. <laughs> yeah. We share the hotel that we're at. There's okay. always, um, you know, is there a corresponding event? Thursday and Friday, there's a, um, you know, twelve year old girls doing dance thing oh. over at the convention center next door, and on Friday slash Saturday, there's always the twelve year old hockey thugs in for uh, oh. <laughs> for youth hockey something or other, and they always decide they're going to mess with the nerds. And so they send me down the hallway to uh, stand there looking menacing and uh, <laughs> recommend that the uh, 12-year-old uh, think they're hockey thugs. Uh, uh-huh. Right. Evacuate this section of the hotel. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's fine. So do you already have uh, next year's? Uh, scheduled out do you know when it's gonna be or oh no it's the same it's the weekend before president's day every year okay okay um so between valentine's day and president's day it's that weekend okay and um yeah we we have the date set up we have the location set up we have some of the guests picked uh this will be number 42 which for uh an event called life the universe and everything is kind of a big deal yeah um it is the answer yeah um to the question of life, the universe, and everything. So we're going to try to make this the big, you know, next year, which is in, 
Yes, 2024. Oh, wait, 42. No, 24. Wait, so was this one 42 or is next year? This one? is 41, which is our 42nd oh, so event. 40- the first one was oh, that there. is perfect. Yes. Oh, man. Okay, so I know you're going to have to do something really... Oh, yes. But, okay, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, we're thinking about extending it. We're currently a three-day event. We're thinking about going up to five days. We'll see. Because mm. this is. This is kind of our big, you know... Yeah. Uh, we're already the longest-running event in North America, uh, continuously running science fiction fantasy convention in North America. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what's up, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Maybe I can cool. come come on there as a guest. Someday. You should. If you'd like to, I'll uh, make sure you get on the uh, invite list. Oh, that'd be awesome. There you go. Yeah. Someday. Okay. And then on my end, uh, I moved recently. So <laughs> I've even pointed out the fact, I was like, yeah, Rolf, your background is very different. I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Different room. Different yeah, building. Di- different different, different city. Different state. State. (laughs) No, your internet's more stable. Huh? Yeah, your internet's more stable. Visibly so, yes. 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 (laughs) Take that, Eric. (laughs) I knew it wasn't my hardware, it was yours. (laughs) Uh, Well, and for what it's worth, I mean, Big shout out to Eric. I mean, God bless him because, I mean, we, the way that it was set up, there are three people, like, you, you know, on that internet uh, connection. And everyone is a big, everyone streams, everyone's game, everyone's a gamer, everyone's, mm-hmm. uh, his wife also worked, worked remote as well, along with me. So, I mean, there, I mean, the, the, we were putting the internet through its ropes for, for certain. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're doing like video and, and um, yeah, you know, artwork and stuff. Right. And then uh, when I had my apartment with my previous roommates, I mean, it was three of them. And so we're all sharing the internet as well. And they were more often times than not when I was recording the podcast, they were streaming some TV show or something. And so, but this internet is all mine. Mine, 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 mine. No one can touch it, so. <laughs> Yay. Oh, man, it's so nice having my own place. It really is. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love my friends. I really, really do, and I miss them to death. But, oh, my God, it's it's been so long since I had my own place and I could, like, actually set up my own stuff. Like, I, ne- like, it, I hadn't set it up. I haven't put up pictures in my previous apartments or done my living room and, and this i could just kind of have it so to whoever my liking is so no i'm really happy but enough of that on the writing front of things i did do a little i did manage a little writing on um, I, I did squeeze on a little writing and in, in, in those between times of setting everything up um so working on still uh working on the standalone uh sci-fi story of course like i said since i was moving i didn't get as much done as i would more likely get to like in the next upcoming weeks but um it's it's still in at this point as long as i get something down i i consider it a win um the story is coming along very very nicely anyway 
and man, I I I I was very very uh, aggressive in, in this last stretch because I was just I was just taking out scenes all together. It felt great. Ali <laughs> <laughs> was very very rewarding. Like looking at certain scenes, I was like, I don't like that. Go away and just fixing it. So man, it's 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 been quite an overhaul of, of editing like the outline stuff but man but when but when i just go through the whole like story it just flows so much better and those points like where you really want to like hit hit people like in the gut and, and like really drive like the the sense of urgency and stuff it it just it, it it's a lot it's more it's not i wouldn't say it's an action sci-fi it's more of a thriller it's very suspenseful and with the way that the pacing is going now it's like you're always like on the edge of your seat like there's really no time to slow down because each and every scene let alone chapter is just really really carrying the story forward so i'm, I'm really looking forward to finally like uh uh sh- sharing it like once it's ready to go yeah awesome yeah but uh, before we get to our story, my nerd segment, we also like to do some nerdy updates. Not quite to the extent that we do with our nerdy chats, but uh, we, we do like to get a quick little update. So, Abby, should I even bother? Have you even had the time? <laughs> have you uh, even been able to like glance at a TV or anything for the past couple of days? A little tiny bit. Just a little bit. I mean, it's going to be hard for a while, but Fair yeah, I, yeah. I've actually been watching um, Kindred. Octavia Butler has a. It was adapted from her novel. Yeah. yeah. So that it's on Hulu, and I guess they canceled it after one season. Oh wow! But they might bring it back. Like I guess there's like a campaign to bring it back. I will say it's actually really good. They're doing a pretty good job with it. My one criticism is why do they have an 80s synthesizer soundtrack? <laughs> the soundtrack. That's one that's written, but different problem, yeah. And that's kind of surprising yeah, that they canceled it after one season <laughs> on Hulu. I thought Hulu's typically pretty good at letting shows kind of find their footing. Yeah, I don't think they advertise it very well. It's like I wouldn't have even known it if I wasn't in writer circles. Yeah. So, yeah. See, Octavia Butler is one of those authors that I just adore in ways that I don't have the words to describe. Um, I was fortunate to meet her back in 1988 and spend some time with her. Um, And yeah, I just told her in in just such high regard that I didn't know that was out there. So I'm going to have to go watch that immediately. Just on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. I will say they made a lot of kind of major changes. Um, not totally, but like they, they did make some changes so that it's not quite like the book. Hmm. Yeah. Do they do it kind of just to fit the different medium? Eh, I'm not so sure about that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm not sure what her estate is, you know, how active they are in defending her interests. Uh, or at least defending her stories, but of course mm-hmm. she passed a number of years ago. So, yeah. So it would be interesting to see more of her books adapted, but this one is yeah. interesting, and it's actually the first book I ever read by her. So, yeah. Oh. Um, 
cool. Anyway, so yeah, so that's cool. I, I also gave um an adaptation of, of Anne Rice's Made for Witches series a try. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. It's terrible. Oh no. It, it, it's full on like Game of Thrones season eight level of, of incompetence. Oh stop. Yeah, so I can't recommend it. Oh, now yeah. was that because of the adaptation or was that because of the source material? I mean, I read the source material when I was fifteen, so my memory is a little fuzzy there. Mm-hmm, but so. um it wasn't I don't remember it being that bad. I mean okay. it, and I I think it's the adaptation. Like like it's just they did a terrible job. So it's kind of funny. I actually watched it with my husband. He never read the book. Mm-hmm. And he had no clue what was going on. You know, he's just oh. like, this makes no sense. He's like, who are these? And I'm like, I had to keep explaining things because I remembered things from the book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, they're not explaining any of this. It's just like a series of like disjointed scenes where they, they didn't really put it into any kind of story flow. Mm. Yeah. You know, and there's something to be said for for producing a video series that resonates back to the original book and that right readers yeah. will resonate more deeply with but mm-hmm. non-readers have to be able to engage the series or what's absolutely. the point right absolutely yeah it's one of those things where i just always wonder like when they make such a bad adaptation it's like what yeah. are they what's their goal here <laughs> i mean, I mean, I mean it's uh, like literally all- on paper all you have to do is just turn the pages i mean Right. I, what, 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 what's the what's the what's the what's the challenge? What's exactly. The challenge? Exactly. It's it doesn't seem like it would be that hard. I mean, like, yeah, you got to adapt it for a different medium. But I mean, as long as you you keep some integrity, if you you sort sort of know like how to tell a story, you know. But everyone anyway, thinks they yeah. need to update it, and they're always wrong. Yeah. Update it well, for what? Look, I don't mind if you update it a little, but like. You know, you've got to keep in mind you want to keep characters likable. You want to keep the story coherent. You want to have, like, like tension, rising tension. Like, the basics here. Just basics of storytelling. Writing 101. Writing right. 101. What are you talking about? Unless it has merchandising potential, we're not interested. <laughs> okay, look, we're there was way past the, the original book. We have to add it. Come on, man. Where there was merchandising potential. And stuff, so... Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, like Anne Rice was a big deal back in the day when when her right. books came she out, and enormous. right, like, yeah. like in these, I remember, like, I loved this book when I was like fifteen. I thought it was the best thing ever. So you know, just capture a little bit of that, and you're golden. But no, they couldn't do it. it it's it's baffling. Needless to say, it's yeah. it's just baffling. I don't I don't get it. I don't get yeah. it. Well, well, I'm I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but thanks for the warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, you, Scott? Uh, what have you been up to? Um, primarily, I watched a um, an anime series. Uh, okay. It's called uh, Higurashi uh, When They Cry. Um, don't know if you're familiar with it. It's actually a remake of a remake of a graphic novel of a light novel. Mm. No, it doesn't ring a bell. Of a set of video games. Yeah, that doesn't ring a bell. Um, it's basically a murder mystery set in a small town. And uh, it may be the most gory, most blood-soaked anime I have ever seen. And I have watched Elfin Lead several times. 
I was about to say, so you and I were both mortified by Blood Sea, I think is what it was. And then there is, well, hell, I mean, we both just watched uh, Chainsaw Man, and that right. was buckets of buckets. <laughs> so so if you're saying that this trumps all both of those, that's, a, that's quite the statement. So here's the thing. Um the major difference is that we we pulled the uh, the violence is being done by eleven to fourteen year old girls. Oh no! So it's one of those. Oh yes. no, no. So okay. there may or may not be, you know, demonic forces. There may or may not be government conspiracies. There may or may not be time loops where certain characters are looping through the same 12 days over yeah. and over and over again um, to accomplish so, what we don't know. You have to wait for the second season to figure that out where it basically goes through the five stories of the original series from a different point of view and explains what happened and why. Uh, so it's actually really, it's really good. You get to the end of it and you kind of stare at the screen and, I happened to be watching the last episode. My wife happened to come into the room and say, so how's it going? And I, and I just like her eyes says, why did I watch this? Why? <laughs> why? All of that. And it turns out to be cat fight between two 13 year olds. What? Uh, but it was more than that. Okay. And it's supposed to be more than that, but it is very, this is where culture sometimes plays because Japanese culture and this, this idea of presence or resonance to an idea or a feeling, keeping in mind, when, when we say when they cry, the original series was when cicadas cry. And that's a social reference, a cultural reference, an artistic reference. That's a very many layers deep reference. Well, All of which plays. I'm sure I never did watch it, but when Cicadas Cry, that... Yeah, there was, I think, six that sound familiar. individual games that were released that were tremendously popular. Okay. Uh, they were kind of mystery, you know, whodunit, solve the mystery games. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's, it's not something I can recommend for everybody, but I actually really enjoyed it in the end, if you can tolerate just... just <sighs> Yeah. Really mean spirited violence. And I was gonna say it'll probably it'll probably be a no for me just because I have two rules when it comes to like watching or, or, or reading stuff. Yeah. Don't wait, don't rape women, don't kill children. And if there's a lot of murdering of children, that's probably going to be an automatic children killing each other, children killing adults, adults killing children, lots yeah. of Lots of unreasonable amounts of blood spattering walls, ceilings, light fixtures, yeah. uh, pooling on the floor, dripping down the stairs. Yeah. I, it's it's really it's really really over the really top. really no. <laughs> what, what, what it is, it, it's really a lot of it. Um, <laughs> so in my case, I don't watch things for that. I watch sure. things despite that, and I really want the the deep theme to, right. to be interesting and powerful. And this just barely got there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Just made it over the hump, huh? Seriously. I mean, with 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 nine minutes left to go in the series, <laughs> three nine episodes. I've got nine minutes left, and I'm Ooh. and I'm just huffing at my wife about what did I watch this thing? And then okay, I'm not saying it pulls out perfectly. Yeah, but it made it. It it, it just made it. But it it made it over the line revealed that there was a multi-layer metaphor here that you had to consider each of the layers and when you do okay i'll i'll take that okay <laughs> <laughs> not everyone's cup of tea I was to say, even the fact you're like oh okay i guess i'll i guess i'll take it <laughs> you do have to commit to it because you have to think about it you have to study it out you have to do a little research it is it is a project so in my fair opinion. enough okay um, me, uh, really did do too much, um, since I was prepping for the move and everything. Um, I did start watching the Bad Batch, um, yesterday. Uh, that's the follow-up to the Clone Wars. That's uh, the second season. Uh, I'm really not feeling it so far. Uh I think there's like one more episode coming up before like the Mandalorian comes out, or maybe this is like the one the week where like it's just a great period because Mandalorian comes out and it's not next week. I think it's the week before. But whatever the case, um, so far I've watched uh, f- well, let me see one, two, three, four. I watched five episodes. There's as of this recording. Unless there's one comes out today, which is recording on Wednesday, there's nine, and of the five that I've watched, there's there's only one that I thought was good, like 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 com- compellingly good. Because right now, it's not like the episodes are bad, but they're following the monster of the week setup, and I'm like, I. I'm I'm not I'm not here for that. I'm here for an actual arc, especially considering where they left the first season. Yeah, the the first season was very definitive and like okay, this is what the situation is. And so for them to start the second season backtracking to what the first season was, which kind of makes sense in the first season because like you can use a lot of those uh standalone episodes just to build like the characters and and the universe and kind of like focus on the bonds and relationships with people where that was already kind of well established and by the end of season one so i'm just ready to see what go no see where the story unfolds in season two and they're just they're not doing that so far like each ep like the it like the first two episodes was a bit of a mini arc and then the, the third episode is the one that I really, really liked because for me, that was like the one episode that was a continuation and picked up where episode, where season two left off, even like introducing uh, certain key individuals who were pivotal in the Clone Wars and also the Star Wars like prequel films. And then immediately after that, it just goes back to the, okay, this is the situation for this episode, this situation for that episode. I'm like, eh, 
So it's a little bit like what Abby was talking about earlier, that uh, when you have a long arc story in mind versus when you're just generating episodes and trying yeah. to get renewed. Yeah. Um, which is too bad because the whole Mandalorian, the whole Star Wars extended universe is really well structured and you can tell deeper, more integrated right. stories. And, and it's very surprising considering that the Bad Batch is done by Dave Filoni, who was... Mm. Uh, so such a pivotal individual when it came to the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. And of course, a, a lot of those initial episodes in the Clone Wars were very standalone. But once the story that needed to be told was told, it it just revved up and there was a huge arc. And I'm like, what, why, why are we why are we going? Why are we backtracking to this aspect, to this uh, for format of storytelling when mm. you've given us a sense of urgency we, we know critical mass of the characters why right just establish the world some more yeah so and for for those who like who, who are enjoying this I'm, I'm glad you are but right for me though I'm, I'm considering me disappointed <laughs> uh, I'll, I'm, I'm just waiting for the Mandalorian uh, but uh, how about we move into some sci-fi and fantasy news where we offer some sci-fi or fantasy book recommendations along with updates in nerd culture. Uh, so the book recommendation that we have... Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Uh, oh, there it is. That was me. Sorry. <laughs> It's called Keeper of the Enchanted Rooms, and this is from author Charlie N. Holmberg. Uh, A house of haunted history and ill temper. Make yourself at home in this beguiling novel of love, magic, and danger by Amazon Charts and Wall Street Journal's best-selling author, Charlie N. Holmberg. Roll Allen, 1846. Estranged from his family, writer Merritt Burnsby is surprised when he inherits a remote estate in the Ooh-wee. I remember seeing this when I read it. I was like, what bay is this? Narragansett. Thank you. Narragansett Bay. <laughs> Though the property has been uninhabited for more than a century, Merritt is ready to call it home until he realizes he has no choice. With his door slamming shut and locking behind him, Winborough House is not about to let Merritt leave. Ever. Holder Larkin and the Boston Institute for the Keeping of Attendant Rooms has been trained in taming such structures in order to preserve their historical and magical significance. She understands the dangers of bespelled homes given the, to tantrums. She advises that it's in Merritt's best interest to make Rimborough House their ally. To do that, she'll need to move in too. Prepared as she is with augury, a set of magical tools, and a new staff trained in the uncanny, Holder's work still proves unexpectedly difficult. She and Merritt grow closer as investigation progresses, but the house of secrets run deeper than they anticipated, and the sentient walls aren't their only concern. Something outside is coming from the enchantments of Rimble House, and it could be more dangerous than what rattles within. So once again, this is the Rimble House Book One, uh, Keeper of Enchanted Rooms from Charlie and Holberg. 
and you can find this on Amazon. And in some other nerdy news between now and the next episode, speaking of Mandalorian, yes, it will be coming out with season three on Disney+. Plus. So set five years after the events of Star Wars Return of the Jedi, the Mandalorian explores a universe without the Empire as Din Djarin, a.k.a. uh the Mando looks to protect the Force-sensitive Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. So the synopsis of The Mandalorian Season 3 reads, The journey of The Mandalorian through the Star Wars galaxy continues. Once a lone bounty hunter, then Djarin has reunited with Grogu. Meanwhile, the New Republic struggles to lead the galaxy away from its dark history. The Mandalorian will cross paths with old allies and make new enemies as he and Grogu continue their journey together. Once again, this is The Mandalorian Season 3, and this will appear exactly two weeks from the recording of this episode. So stay tuned. But whatever the case, folks, if you want to stay up to date with our sci-fi and Facebook recommendations, along with updates in nerd culture, be sure to check out the StoryTrainers.com website, along with our social media outlets, that being our Twitter page, our Facebook group. So to that end, folks, we have finally arrived to our latest Story by Nerd segment, with the story being called The Keeper. So last time that oh the keeper not the keeper the message wow <laughs> and I and I named it holy crap <laughs> all, all of a sudden it's like oh no I oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sorry didn't mean to pick you up this guy <laughs> I wrote the wrong story my my bad my bad so so, <laughs> so the last time uh, we uh, were on this story we were following Aisha who is an astronaut who has the task of entering the very first detected black hole and not only entering it, but finding a means of escaping it. Again, uh, easy enough, right? But we'll, we'll go to see. So that's the basic premise of it. And so now we're going to have Scott uh, take over the helm and see exactly how this mission unfolds. So to that end, Mr. Parkin, the mic is yours. So I'm going to back it up a couple of paragraphs and uh, get a little bit of a running start. Um, Aisha, of course, understood what she was flying towards, as she'd been mesmerized by the phenomenon ever since she saw an old picture of one in an old science school textbook for the first time. Black holes are region in, in, regions in space that have a gravitational pull so great that nothing known to man can escape it, not even light. At least that had been the accepted truth for a good chunk of their known history. Aisha and the other members aboard the Cronus 7 had been on a decades-long mission to prove that mankind had finally reached a means of not only entering a black hole, but safely leaving it as well. She had been the chief astrophysicist involved in proving the calculations and measurements needed to prove such a theory could indeed be turned into fact. Now all she had to do was drop into one, come back, and report what she had experienced in the process. Easy enough. In theory. Which was, in the end, the one escapable problem. 
until one passed the event horizon and entered the accretion disk, accurate readings were simply impossible, and thus control systems were at best theoretical. Newtonian physics broke down and reality itself bent. The question was how? One theory said that gravity must have its due, and once she released thrusters and allowed the singularity to draw her into its inescapable grasp, she would simply collapse into a point and be no more. With the time dilation inherent to such radically warped space, there was no way to know how long that would take, subjectively. The possibility that she would experience unimaginable and inescapable pain for hours, weeks, or even years as her body was first ripped apart and then crushed was very, very real. And she would do it alone. They never did solve the communication problem. Or at least not entirely. Aisha absently rubbed her left thumb against her left index finger. Even through the thick material of her environment suit, she could feel the pressure on both sides and knew that the micromesh embedded in the entirety of her skin was entangled at a quantum level with its mashing, matching mesh array aboard Cronus 7. It instantly relayed kinetic data from her body to the projected simulacrum of her there. Real-time data exchange across any distance via quantum entanglement, but limited to what the nearly massless mesh could detect, such as the shapes and movements of her lips and the, or the tracings of her fingers. Hardly an ansible, but as near as she could manage with current technology and understanding. One of her better ideas, if she did say so herself. Simple quantum entanglement with no electronic component, at least not on her end, where the system was powered by ordinary cellular activity, bio-batteries. It would enable gross communication both ways. She could simply speak or spell with her fingers, and the simulacrum would reproduce it on the Cronus 7. While they could trace words on the avatar's hands or back, and she would feel the touch on her own body. God, the hours she'd spent learning to decode finger writing. The twins would write on her back or palms and switch between poems and recipes and ingredients lists from food packaging to push the limits of her character recognition, while Latif tended to write intimate suggestions in other places. Aisha smiled. She missed them so much it hurt. But that was the cost of knowledge. They had all come to peace with that long ago. Still, her right hand hovered over the abort switch. Two minutes left to bail. She finally allowed herself to look out the vast sh out at the vast shiny expanse of the black hole's accretion disk. Space visibly warped around it in a horrifying yet fascinating distortion. The near edges pulsed with a thousand shades of blue, far more brilliant than anything she had ever seen, fading toward green and yellow on its left edge and through violet and red on its right. A brilliant white jet shot straight up from the center. To date, no human eye had seen those colors from this close up. Hopefully hers would not be the last. Because the other theory about black holes was that the vast majority of the infinitely black inner sphere, utterly invisible to human instrumentation, actually represented a vast unexplored expanse of warped space. Not an alternate dimension, so much as an alternatively configured one stretched beyond all recognition from the outside, but entirely ordinary once one passed beyond the event horizon and shared that space from within. Aisha gazed at the massive red abort switch and easily moved her hand away from it. 
the thrill of discovery overwhelmed both fear and regret now. There would be no going back. Excelsior, Dr. Adiemo, Patterson whispered in her ear, farewell, traveler. Instead of the sharp pang of parting, all she felt was exhilaration. The carefully rehearsed lines she had planned for this moment fled completely, and all she offered in return was, hmm. 30 seconds. She telescoped Raptor's nose forward, a 50-meter-long polymer tusk containing sensors designed to sample and catalog unknowable, unpredictable space. 15 seconds. She confirmed that the warp bubbler was primed and ready to fire at the first hint of need and that the anti-spaghettification generators were online and active. Of course, all of that had been under constant monitor for the last two hours, but one had to do something while waiting out the countdown. Five seconds. Cancel thrust. No point in wasting fuel at this point when gravity and inertia would propel her from here on out. Now, just wait. Zero. Scene break. Captain Scott Patterson had no intention of watching Raptor vanish beyond the event horizon, though he was pretty sure every other member of the Chrono 7's crew was doing just that. Instead, he gazed at the holographic projection of Dr. Aisha Adiemo, as interpreted from this end of her quantum entangled body wrap. He saw the moment her right hand moved away from the kill switch, watched her smooth and efficient movements as she did one more systems check. He even heard her synthesized voice hum in reply to his last message. The details were technobabble to him, but the effect was that so long as the nearly massless mesh contained inside this evacuated chamber remained entangled with the one embedded in her flesh, this simulacrum would express every movement she made. He saw her run the systems check, kill thrust, then lean back as the clock ticked down. When it hit zero, he flinched. <sighs> Who knew what to expect in that instant? For all anyone knew, she would collapse into a point with no measurable dimension and simply vanish from all perception. But the projected image remained still and unchanged despite what must have been extraordinary acceleration beyond the event horizon. No reaching for controls, no reflexive clutching at the arms of her acceleration chair. No movement whatsoever. For five long minutes, she remained dead still. Then the indicator light flashed red and the klaxon sounded. Entanglement was lost. Dr. Aisha Adiemo was now fully, irretrievably alone and would remain so for quite some time, whether for days or years was impossible to know. Of course, for her, it was likely no time had passed at all. Who even knew how time flowed beyond the event horizon? He smiled. Only one person knew for sure. Aisha. Scene break. She felt a shock the instant the clock hit zero, then began counting up again at a normal, consistent rate. Not a physical jolt, but a sudden emptiness that she recognized immediately as the loss of connection through her quantum micromesh. It was hard to describe to anyone who had not felt it for themselves, but the loss of of presence was deep, profound, and entirely expected. It would not reconnect until she exited the black hole and returned to normal space-time where both quantum and Newtonian physics would return to normal operation. Aisha gasped as, as her view changed dramatically. The bright rim of the accretion disk winked out and was replaced by a vast carbon-gray expanse. Not space per se, more like absolute nothing. Her eyes couldn't find anything to focus on. This ubiquitous gray void was simultaneously both infinitely close and unimaginably far away. 
No frame of reference, no sense of distance, no stretched shapes or swirling matter. Nothing. Like being inside a glob of gray plastic. An alarm sounded and she leaned forward to read the instrument panel. The tip of Raptor's extended polycarbon nose was collapsing in on itself. One of the thousands of possibilities she had considered and programmed mitigations for into the ship's systems. She both heard and felt the anti-spaghettification generators shut down and heard the high whine of the warp bubbler as it instantly formed uh, a shell of warped space that just as instantly vanished. There was no need, no possibility to apply outside fields or barriers here. A singularity with the power to warp a Neptune-sized chunk of space and generate a Mercury-sized black hole was more than sufficient to defeat Raptor's minuscule generators and batteries. She gawped at both viewpoint, viewports, and instrument panels as the meaning settled in on her. She was inside the accretion disk of a black hole with absolutely no protective fields of any kind. Only the thin carbon fiber hull of her little craft to separate her from what? She had apparently spaghettified without any detectable sensation and now existed otherwhere. Her particles spread across thousands of kilometers of warped space, yet still coherently itself. And she could move freely, see normally, and hear sounds just fine, at least within the ship. Even the distant tip of Raptor's extended sensor tusk, while oddly crumpled, was otherwise fully intact, and she could see it just fine. All 50, now more like 48, meters of it, entirely distinct against the vast gray all around her. Aisha couldn't stop the excited giggles and gasps that escaped her lips as she rapidly scanned through screen after screen of sensor data. The material is both mass and not mass, neither substance nor gas, and emitted, emitting no detectable radiations. Which should probably come as no surprise, matter here was oddly coherent, as if perfectly whipped together with all other matter, and homogeneous mass, except that the raptor man maintained a distinct and separate form within that homogeneity. She tried steering and accelerating, but felt no sense of movement at all, though she felt the distinct thrum and shudder of both chemical and mechanical propulsion. Nothing at all to suggest movement of any kind except an indicator on her panel, saying that she had maintained precisely the same momentum she had on piercing the event horizon. Incredible. Nonsensical. Delightful. Simultaneously pretentious and utterly devoid of meaning. Three hours later, according to her onboard chronometer, she had learned absolutely nothing, and frustration was beginning, beginning to well up. How does one measure, describe, and catalog? Then a dark shape loomed up ahead of her, a darker shade of gray whose edges slowly formed and solidified. She tried steering away from it and saw it slip away along the raptor's right side, fading back into the analyst's medium gray. Nothing appeared on sensors, no mass, no radiation, no evidence whatsoever that it was anything more than a product of her own warped, quite literally, imagination. Three hours after that, another dark shape loomed. This time she steered for it. She just hoped it wasn't solid. Its edge took shape and sharpened until she approached an, an unfathomably huge archway, thousands of kilometers wide and tall. The dark gray filled all views until she could see nothing else. Aisha knew she should panic, but having no frames of reference, she had no idea what to be afraid of. It was all incredible. Then she saw it. 
a pale gray circle against the dark gray expanse. Above and to each side, distinct shapes appeared that she instinctively recognized as writing, but in no alphabet or language that she could decipher. But she clearly recognized the matte black shape in its center, an arrow pointing forward. Undeniable evidence of intelligence, of some kind, apparently straight ahead. She steered straight at the dark arrow, centering it in her forward viewport. Of course she was afraid of what she might find, but wasn't that part of the package inherent in this entire expedition? It's why she was chosen from the thousands of candidates willing to take this journey. A curiosity that overcame all fear and drove her forward, anyway. It took nearly five more hours to approach the vast arrow until she was entirely lost in it and could see no other shade, either forward or behind. Then it abruptly cleared, and she coasted through normal space. But these were no stars she had ever seen before, and they were arrayed in patterns she had never imagined. She looked back and saw that she had emerged from the tip of a bright white relativistic jet emerging from the center of a black hole significantly smaller than the one she had entered less than a day earlier. She'd done it. Entered a black hole, traveled what, through what could only be described as artificial space, and emerged in an entirely different place through a well-defined portal. Where or when was impossible to know, but she was indisputably alive and aware. Now to find who had built that portal. Scene break. Anson Petrovich Yamada startled from a daydream at the sound of the warning buzzer. Their heart leaping in their chest, they blinked at the monitor, then up at the hologram as their eyes got big and they smashed the alert button over and over and over again. After 47 years, Dr. Aisha Adiemo's quantum entangled avatar was active again. Scene break. Your turn. However you want to do that. What? That's epic. It's epic. I love it. Dude. Oh, my God. This That's is awesome. This is a oh, this is everything. <laughs> oh man, what 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 what? <laughs> yeah, that was good. I really like the buildup of her emotions and how she yes. was excited and having a good time. And Dude, that like, was perfect. I mean, yeah. absolutely yeah. spot on. I mean, and it just shows like why she. I mean, yeah, she was definitely meant for this mission. Well, that's the thing is you kind of set it up as as much of a character study as anything else, right? Sure. Dealing with the nerves of this last hour before go time, right? Golly, what do you do when you're on the edge of, (laughs) we talked about Neil Armstrong. What do you do? Yeah. Lander coming down to the surface. And you know what? There are 20 million things that can go terribly wrong. Yeah. And then the weird, like, space. (laughs) Yeah. like, Like. That was good. I like, I like. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really advance a core mystery much other yeah. than that, well, there's an artificial space inside the black hole. It took 47 years for her life. to travel like six hours, but yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, that's okay. No, she was for like 13 or 15 hours and <laughs> came out 47 years later. Who knows where? She'll figure that out in the next segment. Maybe. Well, well, from the 
well for me at least like the way that you describe like the stars appearing in patterns that she never even thought possible it almost sounds like well one theory about black holes is like like their gateways to other universes and it sounds like well she's in a different universe where the laws of physics for us does not apply here or possibly or at least that's what at least maybe it does i don't know see that's the great thing about it is is you know what do what you need to do is this a different Mm -hmm. universe is this the same universe but across across the galaxy is this a different galaxy who knows Man, that was fun. Are we going to meet some of Abby's aliens here? Are we going to meet some of someone else's aliens here? Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I have some ideas as to where this can go next. Nice. Okay. Uh, If you want me to write it, I will. If you want to take it and go from there, we should probably follow the spirit of the round robin story better. (laughs) Uh, You're welcome to do so. We can discuss that later. Yeah. We have a, a day or two. Sure. I did write this in about six hours yesterday. Nice. Wow. Oh, man, that was, wow. Good job. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I just, I, I just was like listening and just, and, and thoroughly enjoying like every aspect of, of this story. Holy crap. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's mostly experiential, right? It's not, Yeah. it's not aggressive. And yet I tried to introduce some, some tension and some mystery into it anyway mm-hmm. playing with that countdown was a lot of fun oh yeah 30 seconds <laughs> yes yeah 15 seconds five seconds zero cut yeah what what do you mean cut <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but oh and again going back to just her character i'm glad she's the one who's in that cockpit right now i mean just because uh in any any normal person where I hit the board per that board button like minutes ago, probably I'm wondering like how she's gonna react like when someone starts tracing letters on her back, but it's not her husband, you know? And it's like it's gonna she's it's gonna forty seven like, years later, is her husband yeah. still alive? Depends on what medical technology does. But Oh yeah, that's true. Right. Right. But the first contact she's gonna get probably is from some some dude. Well, and, and I have some ideas about this, right? Yeah, we have Anson Petrovich Yamada there. Is, yeah. is some random, you know, monitor tech going to start? Yeah, right. <laughs> start talking, you know, chattering on her, between her shoulder blades. What the heck, dude? I'm right. busy yeah. here. Leave me alone. I mean, 47 minutes, I figured like this is probably maybe, I mean, this is probably just some, some jock who's just like, okay, what's the easiest job I can do? We haven't heard any response for this lady for, for well over four decades. Easy money. I'm just gonna read a book, and hey, you you catch the snoozing. Right. This, is, this is last man on the uh, on the totem yeah. pole. He's, yeah, he's out yeah, here right, doing, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> like okay, okay. Who 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 who, who pulled deal. the who pulled the straw? <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh, and then man. all of a sudden, he's like, "Did bad. you not know about World War 12? It just happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the fun thing about it now, right? Because we got 47 years. I am assuming that since this is clearly not necessarily an artificial space, but a manipulated space, mm-hmm. you don't think there's not an alarm trip when she entered, do you? I mean, the fact that someone took the time to even say, 
go this way. It's a giant freaking exit <laughs> ramp, right? There, there was a sign, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beeble and Rocks I, Galaxy. I'm glad that you even like use like the most like primitive like you. You would think that the arrow is almost like. You could probably assume that that's just a universal, like a literal universal signal for any being to be like, oh, okay, that way. One, <laughs> one would hope, right? Yeah, you like to think. The, the, there, there are just some things that just seem like, okay. Anyone capable I mean, of getting here can read an arrow. Yeah. <laughs> now, whether they trust it or not, it's a different problem. That would be a lot of fun to play with in yeah. the extended, you know. Six, eight, twelve book series, but that's a different problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, yeah we don't talk. About <laughs> We're not going there. We're not doing. That. We're not going there. Oh man, that was fun. That was so much fun, dude. Seriously, but um, yeah, guys, uh, that is the that is where we're going to leave off with the latest installment of the message. So stay tuned a month from now where we draw to its uh, conclusion. But don't worry, that doesn't mean you have to wait a month to hear from us. Come back in a couple of weeks, a little couple of weeks, where we will meet up again and we will have one of our Nerdy Chat episodes. But wherever the case, whether you like our Nerdy Chats or these Story by Nerd segments, be sure to give us a like, a heart, a thumbs up, stars, where positive outlet to the source of this podcast is, where that is iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Etc. Etc. You know, you get the idea. But folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Story Stories Podcast. Hey, I'm Raphael and Jordan. Y'all keep thinking big on the collective level. And this is Scott and Abby signing off. Um, so uh Scott, what's gonna be that final send-off to our listeners? Narragansett. Find out for yourself. You can have someone else find out for you. <laughs> Ask chat, chat, bot, G, chat GPT. It'll tell you. Oh, uh, yeah, sure it will. Yeah. <laughs>